This is the Thursday Night Podcast. Your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello again, Panther fans, and welcome back to the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. I'm joined by my usual list of cohorts, Brady, David, and Jordan. A bit of an up and down week for your Panthers basketball team this week. Do we want to start with the good news or the bad news? Good news. Good news first. Yeah. Um, Really, really solid showing in App State. Uh, Wins or wins. Wins or wins. As as Saturday showed us, wins are better than losses. (laughs) Hot take, Brady. Hot take. I did just check my notes, and it does seem that wins are better than losses. So thank you for bringing that to our attention, Brady. Um, all things considered, um, you know, Malik and Jeff had a great game. Seniors step up in big moments when late in the season when they need them to. And I think that to, that uh, the App State game on Thursday was a perfect example of that. Thoughts? Hey, don't leave out my guy, Jordan Tyson. You know, we drew it up exactly how we wanted. We got Jordan Tyson on the line for two free winning throws. Winning on two game winning free throws. Absolutely. Just the exact way that Coach and I mean, drew that it was up a little at the beginning of the cheek. year. A little bit tongue in cheek. I mean, but the fact is, is he stepped up and did the job and that's what cinched it. I mean, whether or not we were what we were expecting, I mean, that's what you need to do at the end of games. I mean, you just got to hit your free throws. It doesn't matter who. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could talk about Jordan, but I want to talk about everybody. Malik, two for two from the line. Kane, six of eight from the line. Everybody at Georgia State that took free throws hit their free throws. You know, seeing this team in the eighties of percents, it's possible. We know that it's possible, you know, it's so nice to see. And honestly, even at the end of the game, the way that the game felt as it pertained to free throws, you almost felt like Jordan was at least going to hit one of them, which would have sealed the deal. It was great that he hit both of them, but the Panthers were so good from the line. And this, this just goes to show that anybody can do this. You can hit your free throws. It does happen. So I feel like every time we talk about games, it's like the obvious key we go to is start off fast. And it happened and this time. We did. It was the run. It was like 26 to four. I think the run was at the very mm. beginning. Something stupid like that. 24 to seven. 24 to seven. Biggest lead yes. right at the very beginning of the game. And when we came out, we got really active on defense, created turnovers. We're hitting shots. I mean, we hit like five shot, five threes in a row, right. which I understand is a pretty unsustainable um, pace to start the game. But getting that kind of hot start really definitely um, seemed like it fueled our energy right through the the middle of the first half until they actually started hitting shots. I mean, we know they weren't going to be held to seven points the whole first, you know, half of the game. I mean, you know, we always talk about starting fast and they did that. We always talk about playing good defense early. They did that. We always talk about forcing turnovers early. And I mean, if you're counting at home, that's three strikes because they did that. Um, The Panthers had 23 points off turnovers. That's fun. You know, they forced turnovers. They were, you know, getting back in transition. And even when App State started, you know, hitting shots and coming back and when it was back and forth, it didn't seem like the Panthers let the game get away from them, which was very nice to see because you've seen that game happen a few times this year where the Panthers shots aren't falling and whether it be free throws, whether it be foul trouble, whatever. Something gets them off their game and they end up losing, but they didn't. And it was nice to come out of Boone with another win, the second they've ever had for whatever reason in this city. I'll tell you what, it reminded me of the inverse of the game in Lafayette this year. We didn't have the 
they didn't have like the crazy run to start the second half like we did against ULL, but it felt like, you know, ULL was in control of that game early, kind of like we were in this game. And then in the second half, they just wouldn't go away and they took the lead at one point. We took the lead. And then at the end, they, ULL, won it in the end and did what they needed to in the end and we didn't. And it felt like the inverse of that. It, it wasn't a bad thing to see after some frustrating poses of games. For sure. I also want to give a quick shout out to our guy, Kane Williams, was just on fire pretty much all night. I mean, whether or not he was doing things that showed up in the stat line, Kane was everywhere on Thursday. And I really want to take a second to appreciate the fact that he came out and played with a lot of hustle, a lot of heart and definitely hit some big shots. He, I mean, there were points in the time during the game where he was unguardable for sure. I was saying this in some effect on the Twitters during the game, but it's it's funny that Kane is probably by default only the second best driver on this team because DeMarcus is, you know, DeMarcus. And so I think that it's just it's funny and it just is just kind of like a let's put the sunbelt on watch for this guy, you know, the rest of this year, not to mention two more after this one. Definitely. I'm so excited to watch Kane continue to grow. Um, if he can develop a three point shot, um, that's going to be fun. <laughs> Speaking of things that are fun, but this one isn't fun. Uh, that game on Saturday. <laughs> all right, that's <laughs> all the time we have segues. for the podcast this week. Thanks for coming, <laughs> out, guys. That segue was like the epitome of that coastal game. <laughs> exactly. That's why we're keeping it poetic, actually. Um, yes. Yeah. Not bad. Fun. Poetry is still poetry. <laughs> not fun. Going down by that much early. I mean. Credit to the team in the second half. They were able to fight back, and we only lost by, what, 13? 13. Yeah. Considering we, we were down by, like, digits. 33 at one point, and we cut it to single digits in the second half, I think that, collectively, the four of us had written off that game, except for David, and David was kind of nah, keeping us I in check of, either. like, hey, you I guys maybe should check on the score. <laughs> I so will. It, I will state on record when I give up and when I don't give up. And I definitely also thought, you know, there's 20 more minutes and they just beat us by 25 and a half. We can literally do the same thing in this half. Like college basketball is so fickle. It's so dumb. <laughs> I love it. The, the thing that was very fun in a way about that coastal game was when they cut it to nine, there was like four minutes left, you know? So it just seemed it just seemed sort of implausible that they wouldn't at least make it close. And yes, they ended up losing by 13. I understand that. Um, but the way that they truthfully turned it on, the frustrating thing about this team is, you know, early on you had DeMarcus showing why he is an NBA caliber player, you know, truthfully taking over the game, kind of reminiscent of the NCAA appearance last year against Cincinnati and everybody else. It was fun. Everybody else wasn't really hitting shots. Fine. That happens. But then you, he stopped taking over the game because obviously, you know, he can't do basically everything. And the Panthers were very timid. They weren't getting good looks, the good looks that they were getting, you know, something they were either there was a foul here or, you know, just not finishing. Stuff happens. I get that. But when the run was happening and they cut it to nine, the Panthers, they, Damon Wilson came in off the bench and he hit four threes. He was phenomenal. He 
changes basically everything on defense for the Panthers, and it's very fun to watch. But they got they started to get turnovers. They started to force uh, Coastal Carolina into bad three point attempts. For some reason, Coastal started way pushing the tempo about the middle of the second half, and, and I don't understand it. Exactly. Even down the stretch, even when they were making shots late, it was still really like, I think their coach would have just been like, guys, we have the double digit lead. We don't have to take shots with 20 on the shot clock. And that's the thing. They weren't even taking good shots when they, they I think at the second half, they were over three or excuse me, over nine on their first nine attempts behind the arc. They missed. They, none of those were good threes. It wasn't like the threes that they were getting in the first half. And that's the thing, you know, the percentages, obviously Georgia state can't go down by 25. It is not advisable ever to go down by 25, but in the first half coastal shot 50% from behind the arc, they shot 21% in the second half behind the arc that those numbers were obviously going to come down. And this coastal team's not that great at shooting threes. So they were probably going to come down pretty dramatically. I do want to kind of take this second to Uh, own the fact that I probably spoke this horrific loss into existence when I created this false rivalry with Coastal Carolina. So for all the Chanticleers out there, I would like to apologize. <laughs> Locker room material, man. They put that up on the scoreboard. Bulletin board. My dumb face was sitting right on top of the uh, the locker room bulletin board and just clearly was a motivating factor for them to come out and drop 33 like point leads on us um, that Saturday. So like I said, to the Panther Nation and to the Chance Clears Nation, my apologies. <laughs> That's fair. You are hopefully you are forgiven. Um, um, all jokes aside, I think that my biggest stat that sticks out from the Carolina or the Coastal Carolina game um, is the rebounding. I'm looking right here at this game recap that David uh, expertly wrote and published to our website ThursdayNight.com um, that Georgia State was out rebounded 53 to 54, and Coastal Carolina posted 19 second championship points. Here's what I'll say to that, because that's bad. I'm not going to say that's not bad. The reason that's even worse is because if you look at the three-point percentage and the difference there, that's why it's much worse. Georgia State will live with giving the other team 53 rebounds, but that's because normally they're making three-pointers, so if you do miss, it doesn't matter. Whereas they didn't even hit 30% of their threes on Saturday. Every game matters, but this game especially, there's a lot of consequence. Texas State had opened the door for us. We were back tied with them to where if the season played out, you know, even if they went out, even if they won out, even if Southern won out, if we won out, we would have won the conference. At the very least, winning on Saturday would have meant that the game against Southern in the last weekend of the year would have been playing for the championship. Instead, it's about if we lose, we might not get the double bye, which is just very important conference championship weekend. Super is, and it hurts. It super hurts for especially this Georgia State team with the aspirations that they had going into the season and even going into conference play. You know, another year where you either tie or, you know, you match your out-of-conference win schedule. Like, you know, Georgia State played a really tough out-of-conference schedule, and they won a lot of games. You know, they should be in the top top conversation for their conference. And to only get a single bye, I think, would be a huge disappointment for this Panthers team. Not to mention, just literally, it would just be another game on the legs, and 
momentum, there's something to speak of with momentum when you get rolling in conference tournament, but especially with how much we pride ourselves on shooting the ball, just one last game on the legs is going to mean so much for predicting success in New Orleans. Absolutely. Uh, but I, to sort of play devil's advocate here, I still wouldn't want to see the Panthers, regardless of if there's a buy Absolutely or a double not. buy. So, you know, hopefully they do get that double buy. I really want them to. Um, but still not necessarily. I still w- would not feel good if I'm the other team looking at the Panthers as my opponent. So we'll see. Very before, we get too, before we get too wrapped up in talking about conference tournaments, play, all that, uh, we do still have three games left in the season. Do we want to take this opportunity to look forward at our next two games versus the Arkansas schools? Win them. Just please win, baby. Please win, <laughs> win two games right this week, please. <laughs> it's it's we're we've lost one game all year at home. We don't lose games at home very often in full stop. And it's two teams that we quote, quote should beat, And that's a dangerous thing to say because, you know, we quote, quote, should have beat Coastal. But on the road, these teams shouldn't be able to come in and make the sports arena theirs, especially with all that we have to play for. I mean, it just sweeping this week and being able to look forward to Southern the next week with nothing else, but that game, not worrying about, you know, where this week left us, like not thinking anything negative about what we could have done this week. Just do it. <laughs> take Let's care of business. There. Just take care of business. It's as simple as that. They're weirdly similar teams in that both little rock and Arkansas state have, have, one dominant score. They've both got a guy averaging over 20. Ty Cockfield for Arkansas State averaging 22, which is very impressive. Super impressive. And there's always the worry when you've got the one guy that you can't really zone away a guy with the way we play. I mean, it's it's pretty system-based. So it's about, you know, making sure in general we're just pl- playing swarming defense and getting turnovers and all of that. So we have to be mindful because we have seen guys drop 35 on us. But those have been games sometimes it hasn't mattered because the rest of the team couldn't pick up the slack. So uh, is the App State game where we held Ron Shad Shabazz just to, uh, I mean, relatively quiet 11 point night. Uh, is that kind of the blueprint moving forward with game planning for these two teams regarding their kind of lead scorers? I want to say it was a little anecdotal that we held him. I, I want to say, you know, he still had some good looks that they just didn't fall. I mean, the app game, we played tremendous defense the last two, three minutes, four minutes of the game. But on the whole, I wouldn't write it up as a defensive hallmark of a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's he, just me. Shabazz was a little tentative as well. Um, I, I don't want to sit here and I mean, credit to Georgia state defense. I don't want to sit here and say they did nothing. Um, but I also don't want to say that it, it wasn't about him just sort of not taking control. And just, there were other guys who got themselves involved. Uh, Justin Forrest was taking a lot of shots. I mean, he took 15, you know, they, I think it was more about just getting guys involved than necessarily Georgia state doing anything to Shabazz. So, but I mean, we, I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen it when Georgia Southern came to the sports arena. We saw that although Tukey 
Tukey didn't end up having that great of a game, but he still he wasn't exactly you know trying to be the offensive focal point in the first half, anyways. And I mean, part of that is just Georgia State defense. Part of that is you know him. I mean, he only took nine shots that day, so part of that was on him. But some of that, it's just an amalgamation of things, you know. And I will say, pro the idea of making it about those guys. We did highlight Rancho Chabaz in the 2-3 matchup zone, trademark pending. <laughs> but they did have Justin Forrest also was a high average guy for them scoring wise. And the difference here is that there's a gap between the top scorer for Little Rock and Arkansas State and the rest of the team. And I think injury status to be determined for when we play them. But Little Rock's second leading scorer hasn't been playing the last few games. So it might even be a bigger gap than what it appears on the stat sheet. So I think it really is a case of if those guys have bad games, there's almost no path to victory as long as we're doing what we're doing on offense. Plus it's senior day on Saturday. Yeah. One for the seniors. So Saturday will be fun. You know, go win one for the seniors. We've got four of them. So four, go four, win. Four and a half, four, four and a half, five, four with an asterisk. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. It, it honestly, it felt like going into the year there was no question demarcus is also leaving as a junior it's still i mean there's nothing really to change that opinion it seems like the coaches are kind of expecting it still coach hunter definitely hasn't been pushing him to stay which is really respectable right he's a good dude so it's definitely a reason to get out there because it could be the last time if you don't get down to nola slash any tournament games we go to it might be the last time you get to see demarcus live and i mean Speaking just for myself, it is a treat to watch that guy play live. Definitely is. It's uh, I enjoyed all the times that I saw him live, even the first from the very first time when he corrected the band uh, about his last <laughs> name, which is seriously one of the funniest stories, <laughs> one of the funniest events that I've ever seen in the sports arena. So it's all right. We'll we'll get some Tegan and Sarah going and cry about Demarcus if and when that day comes. <laughs> very fair very fair. special sad boys edition of the thursday night podcast <laughs> so but in you know in some more cheery news brady and i have a little little thing coming out should be this week uh, about the Sun Belts uh that we are excited to share with you guys uh brady you want to we're just gonna we're gonna talk about the belts at large yeah it'll be fun we're gonna talk about we're gonna give ask each other a few questions. We're going to touch on where we think the league is currently independent of Georgia state and also mention our role in it. And uh, it should be out by the time that this is going live. So just give that a look. Definitely. Um, we will try to be as unhomery as possible. That that's not a word, but that's close enough. You just yeah. spoke it into existence. It is now there. It is. Come I mean, on. Homer isn't homer. really a word anyway. <laughs> Hire me, Webster. So hire me anybody. Hire me, Napster. <laughs> Literally anyone listening to this podcast, please hire me. Hashtag hire Taylor 2019. Please. Uh, this is the Thursday night podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thirst. Thirst. The one, the one man edition of the Thirsty Night podcast. I am thirsty for employment. Please. Please. <laughs> what you so. mean hosting a podcast doesn't pay the bills? It actually costs more bills, Jordan. I'm the one paying for the service space, so uh, we'll have a chat later. (laughs) 
Well, in good news, the women's basketball team clinched a winning regular season uh, this past week with a win over App State. So the women are 15-11 right now on the season, which ties their win totals from the 2006-2007 season and 2009-2010 season. The only season before that that they got more than 15 wins was 2004-2005 with 16. And then, of course, in the Leah Henry years, they had a whole bunch more wins, but Basically, the last 15 years, this is more or less the best women's team we've had, and it's really great to see them achieve this type of success. It's just um, beginning. Oh, Gene Hill. Absolutely. I like Gene. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's putting a lot of effort into making sure that he puts his team in the best place to succeed. He bought court, or he didn't buy, I guess. He was giving away courtside seats to students that replied to a tweet earlier last week. He's like, trying to do his saw, like, best. Right. He's trying to up that fan engagement, which I think is really important for the women's team. And I think we touched on it earlier um, in like an earlier episode about how the Sunbelt scheduling like women's team playing away while men's play at home and vice versa. I feel like really does hurt in general. I mean, I can't speak for any other schools, but at least our attendance for women's games, because I don't know, it just seems a lot easier on the fans to be able to get eyes on both teams when they play on the same day in the same place. Right, and it's the women's team at Georgia State, like I was saying earlier, in the past 15 years really has not been very high achieving, and people would show up to watch them, but it was usually because the men were playing two hours later, and they they did a thing for a while where you could have, if you had a ticket for the women's game, you could go up to the general admission and the uh, upper level for the men's game, and the women would get a decent crowd toward the end of the game, but now that they're playing by themselves, they don't really have as many eyes on them in, in a shame because right now they're fourth in the conference right now going into this last three game swing and uh they're they're a game ahead of south alabama they're only uh, i think two games behind troy they might be three games behind troy but they're definitely they're poised to succeed in this tournament depending on how they draw seeds they could make some noise and we might see uh might see one of the perennial women's tournament champions go down to our panthers we'll see we'll and- find out what happens in new orleans this year it truly goes down to, you know, play on the court. But stuff like momentum and as far as attendance goes, like a crowd and an atmosphere, it all matters. And we've got to do our best to support this team because they deserve it and they need it. Like a team needs an atmosphere, needs crowd behind them. Home games should matter as home games. But to close us out, we've got some big news from Taylor. Taylor, take it away. Yeah, I am very excited to be able to announce that coming later this week on ThursdayNight.com, there'll be an exclusive one-on-one interview between myself and former Georgia State forward Jordan Session. Uh, We were able to sit down this week and have a nice conversation, kind of catching him up, uh, or catching up with him, I should say, about uh, what he's been up to. He's playing professionally in Europe um, and kind of just kind of uh, gauging where he's been at and is a really, really interesting conversation. So that'll be released alongside this podcast. So you're not missing out on any content this week. This is just an extra bonus. And be sure to be on the lookout for more interviews and content like this in the future. Awesome stuff, Taylor. That's really cool. Check it out, guys. All right. Well, that concludes another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. For myself and the crew, I'd like to say thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Peace. Have a good Bye-bye. one, y'all.